Welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of Weekend at Crombies. Tonight, we will be reviewing Speed Racer. Welcome listeners, we are sitting in our poles, engines revving, helmets dipped, ready to see the chequered flag and the warm champagne and the sweet sounds of Murray Walker. Yes, it's a racing movie. My name is Hugh. When I'm driving a T-180, I don't know, everything just makes sense. And I'm James Evans Esquire. I'm not a ninja, I'm a nonja. And with that... And no further ado, we will begin for our second movie of our second season yes. is Speed Racer. Volume 2.2. Right. So, um, as tradition befits, Speed Racer was the film that I chose for February, episode 2.2. So I will I will start the, the, the chat about the synopsis of the film. So I, I suppose that the, the thing to say to begin with is that there, there is a lot of plot in Speed Racer. Um so I'm going to keep it to the general themes of the story. Um, rather I think than that going, would be wise. <laughs> yeah, rather than going into the detail of the plot, because I think I, it, it could go on forever otherwise. Yeah. And I think, you know, it, realistically, there's a lot more to the film than just the plot necessarily itself. So yeah. in, in terms of the plot, I've kind of split, I've split this, this, this synopsis into four key parts, really. Okay. We've, got, we've got the setup. We've got the decision that, that, that Speed Racer needs to make. We've got the payback. And then we've got the denouement at the end as well. Okay. Um, we should probably so, begin with a, just a, a quick overview on the fact that Speed Racer was a 1960s yeah. anime, of and this is again made in 2008, uh, live action slash heavily CGI movie um, that yeah. pretty much follows the same kind of beats. Um, yeah, yeah, it does, and it, it's it was the um, the Wachowski sisters' first film after the Matrix trilogy. Was so, it? Yes. V for yes. Vendetta wasn't in between. V for Vendetta, they didn't direct. Oh, did they, they wrote. not? Oh, no, wow. that's, Gosh, no, they wrote it. They wrote that, but they didn't direct it. Oh, so that had a very Wachowski feel to it. Because, sorry, as you as you were. Yeah. Well, yeah, and we'll, we'll probably come on to the kind of the the, the Wachowski feel of, of 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 the film as well. But Every there's a, a school day in weekend at Crombies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, Wachowski's 2008 live action version of Speed Racer, 1960s anime. Um, so Speed Racer is basically he's a he's a teenager who who is very much focused on automobile racing. That's his life, as it were. He lives with his 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 um his parents called Pops and Mom. <laughs> Speed Racer is played by Emil Hirsch. Pops is played by John Goodman in quite a nice piece of casting, I think. And Mom is played by Susan Sarandon. Now they own their own independent racing car company called Independent Racers. Sorry, Independent Racer Motors. Um. Speed also lives with his younger brother, um, whose name escapes me, Sp- Spiritle or Spurtle or something. Spiritle. Spiritle, yeah. And, and his pet monkey, which is never really explained in the film, but he has a pet uh, monkey anyway. Chimpanzee. Yes, chimpanzee, that's right, yeah. The the, the, the team mechanic called Sparky, um, and his girlfriend called Trixie, played right. by Christina Ricci. Child star Christina Ricci, slightly grown up. Um, in this particular film, well, she was got nearly older... thirty in this film. But was she? Yeah, yeah. She, she. There was a quite an age difference between her and Emil, who was playing an eighteen-year-old. Well, I can't believe that. She looks oh. about twelve. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, that's, that's the magic of Hollywood. But again, the, as, as, that, that's the setup, although the setup is given to us in a series of flashbacks and flash-forwards. Oh, yes. So the first 20 minutes is a, an extended montage of Speed Racer at 18 taking on his first big race where he excels mm. and wins. At the same time, we're flashing back to little boy Speed Racer, who's in school, not doing well because all he cares about is racing, and he's very mm. excited by his elder brother Rex Racer, who is also a, a racer in this time. We flash back and forward and back and forward, and it turns out that Rex Racer, whilst climbing up the ladder of being a top racer, then disappeared, disappeared mysteriously, and his name was disgraced, and he, he died in mysterious circumstances. At the same time, Speed Racer in the the now is winning his race in the same style that Rex did, um, and and this this go and we 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 sort of we zip in and out of of you know news reports and commentators filling in the blanks too. So it's a very for, for, it's very kinetic. It's very it? kinetic. It's a very also very it's a very kinetic heavy plot dump. You get an awful lot in that first twenty minutes um, yeah, that that doesn't let up. So we we, we are we're certainly given the background to the world, uh, the world which we probably should say is. Um, kind of retro it's almost like 60s it's, it's got that kind of like that happy days feel to it but it's also very futuristic the cars and the machines everything is very futuristic and everything is very vivid we can come into this in the themes but it's it's, yeah. it's very brightly lit and, and that kind of stuff we also you learn sorry in this you hit the nail on the head it's kind of retro futurism isn't it there's a yeah. there's a there's a weird it's it's got a weird kind of combination of sugary candy colored um over the top cgi but with a kind of retro feel to it but something slightly outside of reality as well yeah. it's kind of uncanny kind of like the jetsons it is a bit yeah, yeah. it is a bit um, and then again during this extended montage speed sees young trixie and literal um love hearts pop out of his head so yeah. we're quickly cued in to what's happening there as well yeah. Um, so sorry, you were saying about all the setups. But, so that's that's yeah, that's the, yes. the that, that's, that's fundamentally the, the setup. But what you know, what we obviously establish here is that Speed is is himself establishing himself as a, a, you know, an excellent an excellent racer. Um, I think the one of the kind of critical early points of of his kind of character development arc is that he's not necessarily interested in the winning of the races per se, although that is a fundamental part of why he's doing it. He's more interested in the art of racing itself. His life is racing, not necessarily the monetary traps and the kind of kudos and the fame that comes with that. And I think that's quite an interesting point, which leads into part of the decision-making process that Speed has to make. Enter EP Royalton. I will say Speed Racer was very fortunate in his choice of name, um, given that he didn't know he was born, that he was going to be a Speed Racer. His family name's Racer and his parents called him Speed. So it's lucky he didn't turn out to be an accountant or something. It is. It's it's a it's the example of nominative determinism, isn't it? It's, it I, is what it is. Um, so <laughs> sorry, e, e, as you're saying, yeah, E.P. Rolton. Um... E.P. comes into the the, the the scene played played very very over the top and, and in a sinister way by Roger Allen. Yeah, he's, um, he's really um, he just slide. <laughs> Yeah, he's. I mean, he's he's a real snake in this. I mean, obviously, deliberately so. It has to be said, but he he's he's using all of his thespian chops yeah. to to sneer deliver. and drool and, and charm yeah. and smear. And... Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he, be, he begins the... nicely. He begins, you know, in um this kind he's of still you know, a bit smarmy though. Very but, you know, smarmy, yeah, but but all very nicely turned out. You know, oh, I I do like your humble home. Would you mind coming to my factory? It would be. I'd love you to meet my family and this kind of yeah. stuff. And um, yeah, so uh, he. As you're saying, he he whisks Speed away to dazzle him with with the Royalton um, racing machine. Yeah, yeah. So he owns Royalton Industries, and um, he basically wants Speed because he's heard that Speed is you know the the next big thing, as it were. And he he tries to woo him with an extravagant salary and a racing car life, lifestyle. But Damn Speed, it, it's just not for Speed. Speed it's into not that for Speed, kind of is it? No, you're no. right. He rejects it. He rejects all the advances. Um, and it, but you know, partly it's because of his distrust of 
the kind of large conglomerate organizations partly it's because of the kind of history that his brother rex had with his dad as well um but royalton doesn't take kindly to this at all um and the the mask drops without hesitation yeah and he explodes with rage effectively what he says is well you know don't be so naive don't be so stupid let me tell you something and then roger allen in pure thespian mode goes on a what feels like a 10 minute rant yes. about the history of racing in this kind of alternate world that, that we're experiencing speed races life in and that it's effectively all corrupt it's all been fixed and everything he thinks he knows about racing is in fact all false and again it's similar to that opening montage where it's back and forth the editing is very crisp and quick there's an overlapping of uh, um, images over other images over other images. Yeah, instead, and, instead yeah, of a kind of a screen wipe, they have they have actual actors being moved across the screen. Um, yeah, and that is the yeah. wipe. <laughs> that is the wipe itself. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, so Rolton obviously doesn't take kindly to this, and he says basically, um, "Well, you're finished then." Effectively, he's going to sue. Um, he's going to sue his dad's company for. Um, breach of copyright. He's going to sue. Um, he's going to make sure that Speed, you know, doesn't finish the next race that he's in. He's, he's going to make sure that he he crashes, which happens. And um, you know, it's, it's effectively it's all it's all falling apart around Speed because he's made this kind of very um, artistic decision, or he's made a decision which is principled for his racing. And because of that, his his dad's company is is you know going bankrupt, and he can't win races because um, Royalton has effectively rigged the races so that he's he's attacked during the races by by Royalton's own drivers as yes. it were um, so you, you think at this point Speed is feeling fairly depressed because you, you, you've got this situation where all he really wants to do is race and it's the one thing he can't do because the the conglomerate as it were has has decided that this isn't this isn't the, the thing that, that has to be done yeah. so we then move into the payback, I suppose, as a consequence of this. So there's a, as well as this um, plot strand going on, there's a, there's a, a, another plot strand and a side which is happening um, with a, a, a race called Teijo Togakan. I, I might, I, apologies to all my Japanese uh, <laughs> if I've pronounced that incorrectly. But effectively, Teijo has some information about Royalton that will indict Royalton and the company. And he is willing to divulge that information to Inspector Detector (laughs) and Racer X, who are investigating Royalton and the criminal underworld that he's involved in. But Tejo will only divulge this information if Racer X, this masked, uh, mysterious individual who is... I suppose fighting against cr- racing crimes, I guess. Really. Yeah, this this thing. Racer X is, we assume, a racer, but he also drives around in the real world with machine guns on his car because um, yeah. he he rescued Tejo initially by you know, gunning down the van that had yeah. started, kidnapped him yeah. um, in, in racing style. So yes, he's yeah. he's a vigilante racer. He's and, a vigilante and, yeah, racer. wears, he's wears a constant well, face mask. Yeah. Yeah, you just see his um, chin. Played by Matthew Fox, who again has yeah. a fairly recognisable chin, so it was a, it was a good casting chin. <laughs> the chin's got legs; that chin could go far. <laughs> um, so, he, he, but Tejo's only going to give up this information if Speed and Racer X will ensure that Tejo wins uh, a very dangerous kind of off-road circuit called the Casa Cristo Five Thousand, um, which is by coincidence the same race in which. 
Rex racer lost his life um, in, in it, it, when he had uh, left his home. And so Speed is thinking, well, OK, actually, this is an opportunity for me to a get my own back on Rolton, but also reinforce my uh, principles around racing yeah. for racing sake. But of course, Pops doesn't want it to happen. He is uh, vehemently opposed to this particular activity because of the dangers involved and the fact that he considers those racers who get involved in the the, um, the uh, Casa Cristo 5000 to be um, underhand, dirty racers, as it were. And yes. he won't have anything to do with speed. Speed yeah. goes off and does it anyway. Yeah, so in case any of our listeners have lost track of the plot already, uh, <laughs> the... the... <laughs> Tejo wants to qualify for the Grand Prix. Oh, he does. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the only way he can do that is by entering a three-team race on an off-beat track, the other two members being Racer X and Speed Racer. He's he's brought those two in because he has information on Royalton that he's willing to give them. That's why they're backing him. He wants to win this off-beat race to improve his father's business, which is in danger of being taken over by Royalton. Um, so there's a corporate deal at the same time that's happening. And, so, that, and yeah, that's what leads them to to go in this this deadly race. So I'd missed the nuance of that. <laughs> <laughs> that passed me by totally. Yeah, yeah there's so there's, there's, yeah, there's there's a corporate element too, which is why um, Tago is involved in all this. Yeah, yeah. So they, they go on this. They go. They, they end up going on this this race, and um, uh, it, 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 it's it's filled with it's filled with fraughtness and, and, and danger, as it were. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there are other racers who have been hoodwinked and bribed to ensure that Tejo doesn't complete the race. Yeah, the there's, there's a kind of a long list of cartoonish that they, they, they hire the Viking race. It's a bit like the wacky right. races. There's yeah. a Viking race team and I think there's a um, like an Amazon's team. Well, and what's that? Yeah. An African one as well, is there? Possibly. No, Amazon. It's Amazon, isn't Amazon, it? Yeah. yeah. So they, they they hire very thematic teams of three, yeah, who, who yeah. in, even in various phases try and chase down the speed racer team, and then they all you know, get beaten and smashed off the road and this kind of stuff. And um, bit by bit, they uh, they prevail. Uh, at one point, uh, I mean, during the, the they break overnight and they're attacked by ninjas, which they they fend off. Uh, Racer X using ninja skills, um, Speed Racer using the uh, Greco-Roman wrestling of John Goodman. Yeah. Um, Tejo uh, isn't so lucky, and he gets. Um, temporarily incapacitated at which point Trixie uh, takes his place wearing a mask to, to poses him um, Trixie hitherto not displaying any race skills whatsoever but she, she <laughs> no, pitches no, in no. Um, yeah. and again they all, they all win the race and it's all wonderful and the uh, and again um, the uh, the Tejo is it Tojo Khan company having now had the winning race car their stock market price rockets in the air and the takeover by um, Royalton can't happen so and then mm. at this point, Tejo loses interest in in racing in the, because he's now got what he really wanted. So it's, oh, it's not quite a double cross, but it's almost kind of the rug is pulled from under um, yeah. Speed and, and Racer X and Spectre so, Detective. Yeah, so Tejo isn't a pure villain in that regard, but he's 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 basically the same as everyone else in the sense it's it's about power and it's about money. Um, at, at the point at which they're fighting the ninjas, I should add that um, this is the point at which the uh, pops and mom and, and I can't remember the kid's name. Spr- Sprittle. Sprittle. It's, uh, yeah. Sprittle and Sprittle. Let's go with Sprittle. Sprittle. Yeah. And Chum Chum. Chim Chim. Chim Chim. The, the chimpanzee. And they they turn up. Um, they've they've discovered that speed is is taking part in this race and they turn up and basically everyone has an argument and then they all sort themselves out and then they get rid of the ninjas um so you know there you go that that's all dealt with rather 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 swiftly in that particular process um so this leads then into the kind of the the denouement as it were which is um around the fact that 
um, speed having been used by Tejo becomes quite disillusioned with the whole racing scenario and um, he is ready to pack it all in he's you know ready to not run away but but move, leave leave home and start a new life somewhere else and he has a bit of a heart to heart with his dad and he, he he goes to the the racetrack with uh, which um, he used to race with his brother to kind of let off steam and it turns out that um x racer is there and they have a they have a conversation about you know knowing knowing what it means to race and, and understanding understanding the principles of racing and all this kind of stuff as well at which point, at which point speed racer says to racer x i know how you drive you drive like my brother you're exactly the yeah. same age as my brother you appeared the same time my brother disappeared yeah. i know you're my brother and racer x whips off his mask and it's not his brother it's, <laughs> it's not, not his brother it's not no. his brother so it's um luke i'm not your father moment yeah um it's a bit awkward it's a bit awkward it's, <laughs> <laughs> um but then it is his lowest moment um Tejo's sister, uh, who has been kind of hanging around in the background for the moment, yes, Hiroku, yes. Uh, it has a, a sense of honour and attack of conscience, and she sort of takes Tejo's um, pass to the to the final race because Tejo's not interested in running, and gives it to Speed, who by some quirk of the rules is allowed to run in the final race. So we we are catapulted to our denouement. I do um, like your I like your um, your very quick passing over of the plot point. By some quirk of the rules, he <laughs> is allowed to take part in the race. Well, as you mentioned, it's not entirely clear why he's racing there in the first place, other than you've got to have another race. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm trying to think of why he's racing in this last race, other than to, to because he wants to race. I think it's just because he wants to race. It's just because he wants to race, doesn't yeah. he? That's what but he, he is. But by, by racing, he will somehow foil Royalton. I, don't, I think it's just because he'll win. Um, yeah. Because if, yeah. if, uh, if the racer family, being a mum and pop operation, their name's literally being mum and pop, um, yeah. uh, they can, you know, can beat the big corporate conglomerate and it'll be a triumph for the underdog so um so speed uh you know they, they fix up their car and they go to the final race they do and they, they fix up the car in quick time 36 hours we've got a montage we get a, a car uh, fixing montage car fixing montage at the same yeah at, um uh, at the same time as, as the kind of the, the the car is being fixed up um you know so it's so much more powerful than it was and then he, speed obviously turns up at the race and they try royalton led by royalton they yeah. try to stop him from joining but obviously they can't so royalton places a million pound or a million dollar bounty on speed's head for any racer who can take him out oh, that. oh yeah um, we have we have a sort of antagonist in that the jack cannonball cannonball taylor is, is yeah. Royalton's pet champion and he tries to take out speed using a cheating a cheating grappling grappling hook which apparently is not allowed um yeah. and unfortunately not only does it fail it gets caught on camera so the entire world sees that the Royalton driver um has been cheating we'll never get into the hall of fame Royalton's disgraced it's a really unfortunate method of cheating given it, it, is it, weird, it, it? it, it crashes you can't, all their can't really deny it either yeah and speed yes, and speed is kind of left in, in the racetrack with a stalled car but by using you know his his um intuition with the car yeah he, he presses the right button and it starts up yeah. again and he races to the to the victory line and wins and Royalton is is sent to prison um i think possibly because he gets the the, the dossier of tejo and inspector detector gets his man um yeah. and the racer's family are all thrilled and speed is the uh the, the champion of the hour. We also then get a little flashback that um, Racer X, who was not his brother, turns out is his brother. He's a, ah. He merely had plastic surgery and faked his death. Um, yeah, so, the, the least twisty twist <laughs> in cinema history. <laughs> the guy you thought was the guy is the guy, even though he pretended yeah. briefly not to be the guy. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's no dark man, is it? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> Although again, um, you must—they must have really been confident there was going to be a sequel because that—that yeah. that absolutely is left hanging. 
It is, it is, isn't it? I know. Um, so and thus, you know, thus ends. We've we've sped yeah. through in uh, appropriate enough in rapid time to to get through the plot of, of Speed Racer. I mean, I'm shocked at that, given that this is probably the most plot-heavy film we've reviewed for some time. Um, I, I, I think it's simple plot, though, isn't it? Yeah, well, I, I think complicated is not the same as complex. Yes, and, you're right. And yeah. it was a complicated plot, but you, given that the plot is basically he has to do one race after another <laughs> until he wins yeah. them all. Yeah, um, well, it is fundamentally a children's film, isn't it? I mean, it's not going to be that complicated. It's not going to be that complex, is it? No, no, and, and mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. So there we go. That was Speed that Racer. That was Speed Racer. Um, we will return for part two of Weekend at Crombies, volume 2.2, and uh, we'll talk about some of the themes and the analysis of the film and why I, Crucially. James Evans, chose it. Indeed. Join us then. Dear listener, Welcome back to part two of volume 2.2 of 2019's Weekend at Crombies. Lots of twos in that sentence. I'm amazed that I got through it without making a mess of that. Um, so, Speed Racer, we've had a brief synopsis. Um, we've rattled through that. The chequered flag has been raised. And now it's time for a bit of a discussion about the themes of the film and why I chose it. So, if I kick off then... Why did Indeed. I choose Speed Racer? Why, very... why, why did you choose Speed well, Racer, James? Well, the first thing I want to say is, because the, the films that I've chosen in the past have perhaps been films that um, Mrs. Hugh wouldn't have watched, <laughs> shall we say. Did, did Mrs. Hugh watch this film? Mrs. Hugh did indeed watch this film. Ah, I thought so. And so thereby... Mrs. Hugh would like to have a few words with you, James. <laughs> There, 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 thereby, um, I have fulfilled my objective in changing the themes, that, that the genre of the film that I choose. So, f first of all, I've done that there. Now, I'm going to say your yeah, hats off. I will, I will, I will leap ahead to the conclusion and say this is no psychological horror. <laughs> no, it isn't. <laughs> so, no, it isn't. Well done. Yeah. So, but the, the the main reason why I wanted to choose it was because um, it's a. Oh, it's a film that is absolutely a weekend at Crombie's film. I, I just think it's it's it bombed at the box office. It really it did. Is widely derided <laughs> um, as a folly, effectively an incredibly expensive folly. Um, but actually, it has garnered some kind of cult following over the years. I wouldn't I wouldn't describe it as a cult film necessarily. But, it, but, but it it's has... got it's got some very very fanatical. Um, yeah, it proponents. has its defences. Yeah, I, I, I did a little research around seeing what the others thought of it. And amongst, again, the general down firms, there are some people who will plant their flag on this hill. Yeah, yeah, it, I, 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 yeah I, think, I think that's fair. It does have, it does have a, a, some staunch defenders as well. Um, and it, it, it was also a film that um, I'd not seen by the Wachowski sisters, who... Uh, or the Wachowski brothers at the time that they made the film, subsequently the Wachowski sisters, who, who obviously have made... I think you've described, uh, we've had a conversation about The Matrix before, but you've yeah. described The Matrix as a game changer, yeah. effectively. A, a film a film with which science fiction after The Matrix looks like The Matrix, but which before The Matrix doesn't look like The Matrix. Yeah, yeah. And The Matrix is that point at which science fiction changed into that kind of modern ideal of what we understand science fiction to be. I'd um, say it's, it's along the lines of, again, I'm trying to think of other things, but probably it's the the first film since Star Wars that so yeah. comprehensively changed how we look at blockbusters. Oh, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, let's not be 
uh, Koi, The Matrix, is a fantastic film as well. It, it is it is a brilliant film. It is it is it's kinetic. It's exciting. It's 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 a lot of things. Uh, I'll come on to this, but I actually think Speed Racer has quite a lot in common with The Matrix in the way that it's filmed and stuff. Okay. I mean, The Matrix is a better film. Don't you know? Let's not let's not beat around the bush there. But there, there's, yeah, there's there's lots going on there. So. There's that aspect of it. I wanted to see what the Wachowski sisters did after the Matrix trilogy. Mm. Um, I also have to admit that I'm a massive fan of the Wachowski sisters films and hadn't seen Speed Racer because of the negative press that it got at the time. And I didn't want it to tarnish my view of what the Wachowski sisters do. But I really like Bound, which is their first film. Okay, yeah. Yeah, from the mid nineties. Yeah. I really like the Matrix trilogy, and I think as a trilogy, it's really good. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's just the first film, although that is the that is the pinnacle. The other two are are good in and of themselves as well. I am a massive fan of Cloud Atlas. Um, I think that film is fantastic, really interesting, and incredibly moving as well. That I've seen. E- uh, so that's worth watching. Okay. And I even like Jupiter Ascending, which is their most recent. Um, cinema uh, release, which again, I mean, in, in fact, there's a there's a there's a theme with the Wachowski sisters, which is subsequent to the Matrix, which was such a big hit. I think that studios have basically, in each film that they've made subsequently to that, have given them carte blanche to do whatever they want with whatever budget they ask for. Okay. And with that, I think comes real risks. But they take risks. And I'm not saying that, for example, Cloud Atlas works all the time. I'm not saying that Speed Racer works all the time. And I'm not saying that Jupiter Ascending works all the time. But they have a distinctive look and feel yeah. that I think are that, that are not compromised by studio requirements. They are particularly the vision of the Wachowski sisters. Then I think it comes down to whether you buy into that vision or not. Okay. And if you do, you do. And if you don't, you don't. And that's fine. Um so that's where I am with, with this. And this is this was the only Wachowski Sisters film I've not seen. Okay, I must remember to put a pin in that last comment, because that I do wish to return to in terms of yeah. again, their unique style. But um, yes. but that's, that's the reason you chose it. It's fair enough. You wanted yeah. to complete the catalogue of seeing their films. Uh, it now occurs to me, I think I've only ever seen The Matrix. I mistakenly thought V for Vendetta was one of theirs, given it's... it's, it's, it's it, a it was a lot... Again, film. Yeah, given... Yeah. I suppose we said a lot of films started to copy the Wachowski style afterwards. I assumed yeah. it was just a... It was clearly a copy of it. But, yeah... Okay then. Uh, would you like to, to begin yeah. any themes of this? So, so I suppose there is an obvious theme in this film, which is that the, the the film is, I think, you know, as described at the start of the the, the, the podcast, the film is very plot heavy, but it's also very style heavy mm. as well. Um, so there's there's a couple of things I wanted to kind of pinpoint with regards to the style of the film, not really worrying too much about the plot, because if I'm honest, the plot is really the least interesting thing about the film. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a very um, straightforward, you say it's a complicated plot, but it's not a complex plot. It's easily understandable um, to us in terms of the kind of emotional themes and processes that are going on. Um, what I wanted to look at and, and, and think a little bit more about was the, what's called the for the, the formalism of the film itself the kind of the way that the film presents a very formalist view of cinema so by what do i mean by that i'm being a bit pretentious <laughs> but effectively, um the, the formalist kind of critique of film theory suggests that um 
we have a situation which in which a film is driven not by plot at all necessarily but by the lighting the score the sound design the set design the use of color the shot composition the mise-en-scene the um the, the look and feel of the film but probably most importantly above all of that the editing in the film okay so that for me is a formalist filmmaking the wachowski sisters are formalist filmmakers they put a lot more emphasis on the construction of the scene by scene shot and the flow between scenes than they perhaps do on things like script acting although it's very stylized acting acting nevertheless or um narrative flow necessarily um so as a prime example of that um the, the you you highlighted it earlier and actually i know i noted this down and you you almost identically said what i was going to say the opening 20 minutes of the film is really for me the defining um principle of what formalist cinema is okay it, it is effectively 20 minutes of pizzazz and technical brio by switching time frames, editing, using characters to edit, um, introducing the visual grammar of the film, um, providing us with the narrative flow from the child to the teen, to the brother, to the parents, to the arguments, setting the scene, as it were. And what it not only does is that it, it provides us with a really, really detailed backstory and it sets up what the stakes of the story are going to be in a 20 minute scene which could effectively be a film in and of itself i think yeah in 20 minutes purely through formalism purely through technique and process rather than um storytelling necessarily and I i think it's really clever yeah as, as my take on that, actually, I, I was I was coming to actually some of the similar conclusions when I was was going through that the first twenty towards thirty minutes, is um and it may have been because it was so brightly coloured and vivid, and it used lots of quick editing um and it can fed a lot of information in there, mm. and for some reason because his school teacher was Australian, it put it in my mind. Baz Luhrmann was the, was the yeah the, I, I mean Baz Luhrmann was was doing this in the early in the nineties again I got a Strictly Ballroom um Romeo and Juliet and Moulin Rouge, that was kind of his trademark of pound the audience for 10 minutes with yeah. everything. Let them with know everything. what to expect. And let, then, and then let it calm down. And then let it calm down. Here's here where I did see the differences. I didn't feel Speed Racer ever let it calm down, not for yeah. a very long time. And I did clock, I glanced down at the clock when I f- thought we'd arrived at our first scene where two characters almost stopped and related to each other. And it but was... that Trixie and... Speed. It wasn't. No, it was. It was. Uh, it was. It was Susan Sarandon, is his mother, talking oh, yeah, to him. Yeah, yeah, and that was yeah, at yeah. like the fifty-minute mark. Um, yeah. And that was when I first thought we've stopped the montage. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it was. It was very, very fast and very, very intense. Um, but that, that, was, that, that was. That was. So I think we're, we're agreeing. That's that's what they set their stall out to do. Um, well, I think the whole. You're right. I think the whole film is effectively like that because yeah. all the way through it, you have. I mean, the film is is really one montage after another yeah yeah after another or or maybe montage is the wrong word but but scenes intercut with scenes intercut with scenes looking at different timelines and different narrative flows coming back to a particular point but self-referencing another point 
whilst still in that same scene. Yeah. It's a very, it's, it's really discombobulating. And it took me, I mean, that first 20 minutes when I was watching it, and I do agree with you, I don't think it ever really lets up and I don't think it ever really stops. Yeah. Um, there are some quieter moments toward the end of the middle third, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it, it, you know, up and up until the point where speed really turns down Royalston, it's all, it's all, it's all monologue. It's all cut, paste, cut, paste, cut, paste, edit, 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 yeah. overlaid, overlaid, overlaid. I just, I can't under, I can't imagine how they went about constructing the story of the film. I mean, it could have been about yeah. nine hours long. <laughs> well, as I understand it, it followed the, the anime story quite closely anyway. So it was almost like we have to convey, it was in, I think it was a very faithful rendition yeah. of the anime, maybe yeah. too much so. And I think we'll come to that, but I think, it, because they had to hit all the beats, you know, he has to have an older brother called Rex who went missing. He has to be a young racer who yeah. goes on this. He has to have mom and pop and all this kind of stuff. They had to get all that information in there before yeah. the story could even begin. And again, it's it's it was a direction they took that you don't necessarily need to do. You don't actually have to front load a story like that from mm-hmm. the beginning. But they chose to do it, and they chose to do it with this frenetic style of of kind of like this data blast of, of information. Data blast, you. yeah. And and of course. In and of itself, that is quite um, that's quite an intense process to sit down and have it absorb into your mind. Yeah. Couple that with the candy-coloured pop synth style look and feel of the film, yeah. just exemplifies it totally. Yeah. It's like it's like nothing you've seen really. It's I mean I I know now. That I am not photosensitive epileptic. <laughs> yes, yeah, I was going to say yeah. that. That it, it is again. I, you can't wait to feel like you've been punched in the face a lot with <laughs> colour and light. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah. Totally. But I, I will say actually, in, in it's again, it is that opening montage. But it happens a lot. It. I'm just going to go ahead and say I think it's a weakness of the film is that they don't ever let a scene breathe. Like for example, we come in, yeah. we come a bit further on when Speed confronts Royalton and Roger Allen sort of gets up and drops his mask and delivers this very yeah. long speech about how what the true nature of races yeah. race, races is and um these these five men he goes he, he lists and names the five men in top hats who are the founders of the, mm-hmm. the corrupt system and then he goes through this very elongated corporate deal about what happened way back in the day that someone lost a race and therefore their stock mm-hmm. dropped and this kind of stuff and to be honest i did wonder at this point is this an in-joke at what happened in the Matrix Reloaded, where, the, where Neo meets the architect, and the architect yeah, yeah. starts spouting a lot of very quick fire, very complicated information, because actually yeah. Roger Allen is doing a very similar thing. But for all that, while that is going on, we keep cutting back to Sprittle and his pet chimpanzee yeah. eating a lot of sweets and getting sick. They basically they, they find out where um, Royalton keeps his sweet store. Yeah, They've they stayed do. away, and they're having, they're having hijinks. And in yeah. this scene where we learn who the villain is, what the stakes are, and how the world has changed, we're also being cut in with the the, the kid appeal happening too, and it happens a lot. It's like when Speed Racer it does. Is, it happens uh, is, a lot. Yeah, yeah. Is, is having like his his the, like the moments with Trixie when we're supposed to establish the actual the beating heart of their relationship. Yeah. They then get with the kid popping up saying, "Oh my God, you're gonna get cooties if you touch a Goyle." Um, but I, th- I think this is one of the idiosyncrasies of uh, the Wachowski sisters. I don't think they do humour very well at all. No, um, that they are they are not satirical. They are not ironic. They are not um, they are not humorous. Yeah. What they are is a uh, a, a directorial duo who are sincere. Yeah. 
and perhaps a bit pompous in that regard as well but they do not do anything other than what you see is what you get and if they try to do it it doesn't work very well I, I, do, I, I, think, I, I do think again there are scenes in the matrix when the deadpan humor works very well um yeah but it's it's a different kind of thing this this uh, that i mentioned cloud atlas earlier yeah. as well and the, you know cloud atlas is obviously one of these uh, it's a film where it interweaves lots of different strands over many many millennia of years okay. and, as well. and the idea is is that you have six genres each story is a different genre okay. and it all links with each other and the one genre which really doesn't work in cloud atlas is the comedy okay and it really i mean it's not that it doesn't work it's kind of cringeworthy it's embarrassingly bad yeah. <laughs> um and i think i think what what you know the the the, the spurtle the spurtle character and, and, and the, the chimpanzee are, for me easily the most irritating thing about the film oh, despite, yeah, but... the color, despite the poppy visuals yeah i wanted them just to leave my every time they came on screen i was embarrassed yes yeah it absolutely was, it was, oh it was cringeworthy like oh get off it was again you mentioned actually this is what i thought because um maybe the cloud Anderson is, is cleared it up they're not very good at comedy but you mentioned you know they were given the, the money in the carte blanche to do this whatever they want yeah. my understanding of speed race was it spent a long time in development hell decades yeah. of, of, of being passed around and i assumed actually the wachowskis rather than being given this and saying make it your own they were given this and had a lot of um, studio interference because again spurtle and the chimpanzee feel mm very tonally different to a lot of the other film yeah, and very indeed. tacked on and it's almost like they had an executive breathing down their throat saying you are going to put in this because we get to be a family film it may be again as you say they don't do comedy that well they misjudged what a family film is um, I, I think they just don't do comedy very well so yeah. there's there are similar things in um jupiter ascending as well like sean bean plays a half human half bee <laughs> and it's a ridiculous character and it's supposed to be for kind of comedic relief and it's yeah. just not at all yeah. it, it's just they just don't get the they, I mean, i'm sure and don't get me wrong i'm sure that as human beings they are not humorless yeah. but translating that into film doesn't work yeah. and i think it's because i come back to the idea of formalism and the way that they make their films it's not really about characters in that way and they're yeah. not really about plot development or or interactions it's about technique it's about the it's about the um it's about the backstage stuff that goes into making a film the way that it looks and feels it's not even really direction actually it's yeah. it's all of those other compartmentalized bits and comedy doesn't need any of that stuff yeah for, for it to work and so it always feels a bit tagged on whereas what whatever whatever you feel about the film the and you know the Wachowskis do do action sequences well, because yeah. that's all about formalism. I mean, I, I'm I'm reminded whenever I watch. Well, I, I always forget how impressive the helicopter action sequence is in the Matrix. Yeah, and how even now, 20 years after its release, it looks like it could have been made yesterday. Oh yeah. And it's totally innovative. And, you know, there are things in Speed Racer which are mind-blowing in terms of its action process. And I'm not saying that it's successful necessarily, but just the kind of audacity of what it is that they're doing in there. I think, wow, OK, I've, you know, I, I'm, I, I admire that process, even if the execution doesn't quite come off in that context actually again i was at it's you know a certain point of, of watching it you know, during the freneticism i i did kind of 
clue into you know where you needed to set your mind to enjoy. I think this. so, yeah. And I did try and turn off and you know, say, okay, this is this is this kind of film. You know, I don't want to call it a dumb film, but you, a film which you experience not kind of on a, an intellectual level. You you experience it. Um, you you let it yes, wash you do, over you. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Um, I I I I, yeah. I I agree with you, but maybe for different reasons. I yeah. I agree. I, it isn't a dumb film. Yeah. I I think it's actually, I think it's quite a clever film. Yeah. But I just don't think it quite it's it didn't quite connect. Yeah, but I, th- I think in terms of, again, what did surprise me was, because again, I knew the Wachowskis from The Matrix, was actually the action sequences didn't really do it for me. Um, oh, really? Yeah, the, the yeah. racing the racing season, I'll come on to, again, uh, other racing films I was I was mentally comparing it to, but yeah. the, the racing films had no context. Um, you yeah. didn't know what was at stake. You you had these, these nice graph- you know, CGI graphic cars that were very colourful zipping around the place. You didn't really know, you know, a, a who who um, his antagonists were. You'd had the occasional rival racer, but you didn't really know if they were better than him or not. Um, yeah. You didn't know, you know, was this a dangerous curve? You didn't know if this, this you know, you have to go find him for more times. You didn't know if he was low on fuel, if his tyres had burst. You know, things that could could cause problems. He was just zooming along until he yeah. wasn't. And yeah. there, there was, and because it was in such a fantastical setting, you know, there were loop the loops and there were there was sky lanes and, and all this kind of stuff. It's a computer you, game, isn't it? Yeah, really? you, but also you had no context. It's not, for example, like you're in the Indy 500 and you know it's a circular track that you've yeah. got to go around 500 times or whatever. Yeah. You also you had no sense of what was going on. So therefore, again, we, we mentioned this, I think, uh, if you, probably might have been last episode in, in Darkman 2. If you're not given context... And, you're, and it doesn't yes. feel real to you. you. You can switch off until it's all over, and it's not as real. Um, so that I felt was actually. I know the um, the Rutaskis, the, the infamous freeway scene in in the Matrix Reloaded, yeah. Yeah. Uh, is either seen as this is majestic stuff, or it's just twenty minutes of plot that didn't need to be there. And in fact, yeah. it's probably yeah. both. It felt like that too. It's like, yes, it's dazzling. Yes, it's 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 a you know, wonderful music track, but I don't connect with what's happening, so I'm just yeah. going to wait until the next thing that I need to yeah. pay attention to happens. I mean, I I don't think I'm qu- I don't think I quite have the same experience. I do agree that I do agree that there is a there's a weightlessness, I suppose, to the action sequences, which take you slightly outside of what's happening in that context. It yeah. might be that it's you know a decade old. Yeah. And um, maybe the CGI has moved on, and I'm expecting it to have a bit of heft to it, and it's yeah. not quite there. But I did find what what I found quite engaging with the with the racing sequences were the again then the, the, and again I can see why this is a problem as well. But I kind of went with it a little bit. They're not they they're never just filmed as racing sequences. They're also always seem to be intercut with other things that are going on. And so, therefore, the film, to me, wasn't really solely about the fact that he moves from one race to the next race to the next race. Mm. It's about, and maybe I'm reading way too much into this, it's about his relationship with racing per se, and probably more importantly, his relationship to the principles behind which his family have built up that perception of racing. And again, I, I, you know, hearing myself say that about Speed Racer makes me cringe a little bit. <laughs> but I don't. But I genuinely, it, it's. I don't really know how to explain this. I don't think Speed Racer is as empty as I think critics would give it, um, would, would, would describe it as. I think it's a film with quite a lot of heart and a lot of interconnectedness between principles between family between moral decisions 
And it's got quite a strong anti-capitalistic message to it as well. Not that that's right or wrong necessarily, but it does have that. And I quite I went with it a bit more than I think you did in that context, not acknowledging, acknowledging absolutely that it's totally insane and doesn't let up and gives you a headache and is is popcorn. Yeah. Um, and you know the the, the script is just stupid, um, but I don't know for some reason it I maybe I fell into its track, its slipstream. <laughs> yeah, you know maybe maybe I did, and so therefore I was willing to go with it a bit more, acknowledging that there was also things in it that really irritated me. The, the you know Spurtle, the monkey, the 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 action sequences that weren't racing yeah. were stupid. The ninja fights, I just thought, wow, this is just rubbish. Yeah. I kind of flipped out of that. But then I thought to myself, well, I'm probably not the audience for this. Yeah, yeah that's fair well, enough. Yeah. I think Susan Sarandon is very good with the very little she has to do. And um, she does, yeah, she has little to do. Yeah. John Goodman is very good. It's slightly unfortunate that in order to match the cartoon, he is forced to have ridiculous jet black hair and enormous moustache, yeah, um, yeah, because yeah. that's exactly what the pop character had in the cartoon. Um, yeah, yeah, but again, John Goodman is a good actor. I think that again, uh, Emil Hirsch is not good as Speed Racer. He's very, very bland. Um, he is bland. Yeah, I and agree. That's a problem. I agree. I, personally, I, I could have watched the movie if it was a little kid Speed Racer, because he, to me emoted a lot more of what was yeah. important to him in that, yeah. that first opening 10 minutes than the rest of yes. Speed did in the thing. Yes. With, with the yes. young Speed, yeah. I thought, we're, we're I get this. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, he's, you know, yeah. he's doing a test and he's actually colours in, go race or whatever, and you get it. We're not talking about Spurtle here. Not we're Spurtle. talking Spurtle, about the, the young Speed racer. Yeah, but in, in the, the flashback. In, in fairness to the actor playing Spurtle, I don't think any could have, anyone could have made a good job of that no. role. It's, I think it's, he was directed badly yeah, and the script was bad. It is a thankless role um, yeah, with it's... a chimpanzee to say silly things at inappropriate times. And it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's that probably yeah, derailed a lot of the family heart for me as well. I'm not sure about the, the anti-capitalist, given that Rolton is, is the, the arch-capitalist, but he's just a bad one. There is also the oh, Japanese yeah. company that is seen to be a benign one, and obviously race yeah. of family are also a business, and they're the good guys. Um, yeah. But actually, to, to, to wind back and come into, again, what, what I guess the, the tropes of a racing film, and I guess, again, the Wachowskis don't have to follow these tropes. You know, they clearly are making their own style and film. But mm-hmm. there are some things that are useful in a film about, that includes a lot of races. For one thing, the driver normally talks to someone on the radio. Um, again, Hirsch didn't. That doesn't help him, me relate to him as a character because he, he says so little. He mostly grimaces and says a few one-liners, but he's not communicating to both what he's feeling and also to the, us as the audience what's happening in the track. If he says, you know, this is a dangerous bit, oh my God, I've run a load of fuel, my engine's blown, it's things like that that would that happen. But, that, but that, that's, that's, I think partly that's because what's going on in most of the races are flashbacks, cutaways, clips to others, so there's not the space for him to do that. Yes, yeah, again, they, they, yeah, they, and they, and I mean, that's a problem, I think. Yeah. Um, so th- there was that. Other things is, you know, antagonistic races. I know we had, there was the, the snake oiler in the middle race, who was the guy who dropped snakes on people and had all the cartoon characters them racing after them. And then the antagonist, Cannonball Taylor, who was kind of a dark shadow. He was like the, the, the racer who sold out. But you never got a sense that these were good racers who were as good as speed and therefore could beat him. They were just people for speed to get ahead of yeah, in the they, polls. Yeah, were, so yeah, it's that, yeah. that kind of feeling. You never got the sense of he's racing against anyone. He's just going racing very fast. Um, so it's and also again just just a sense of the tracks and a sense of where he's you know his, his speed climbing up the rankings. He essentially races one good race, loses a race, 
goes on an off-track race and goes yeah. to the final. Um, so there's all, all these things that, again, to, to place it in its context, you mentioned you know you, when, when this film was made, has it aged? This film is in a very funny time in when it comes out. It came out in the same year as Iron Man. Oh, so, yeah. so the, yeah. Yeah, I was the, say yeah, that. the launch the of the Marvel Universe juggernaut that actually, you know, that set the tone for what is a sort of a PG family type film that everyone can go along and enjoy. You're probably going to hate me for this, though. Go you. On. you think it's a better film Peter than Iron Man? It's a much better film than Iron Man. We'll move on. If there was to be a franchise, I'd wish it was Speed Racer and not Iron Man. Indeed. Well, we'll move on from that. But history, I think, has shown that Iron Man was considerably more successful than Speed well, yeah, Racer. Yeah, not that's a lack of quality. Successful. Yes, but I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it's I'm not saying that Iron Man proves Speed Racer is bad. I'm just saying that in terms of where popular films were at this stage in history. Yeah, Iron right. Man was the future, and Speed Racer felt like. Oh. If well, to be honest, you, you mentioned you know it was a bold, innovative thing. I think it was such a faithful rendition of the anime to the bright colours and the quirky yeah. characters and the attitude of it. It felt like what happened when they did um, Scooby Doo and the Flintstones, yeah. um, where they'd make yeah. live actions of those. It's like the Wachowskis. This is why I keep I keep thinking maybe they were more creatively restrained than they had to be because the fast editing is their style, but everything else feels like it was studio mandated. It's like they never moved off the story of Speed Racer or the look of Speed Racer down to the, the very characters they were which strikes me as odd for normally you know, such um, revolutionary filmmakers Well it, it's interesting that, that yeah, the, the Wachowski sisters when they've spoken about Speed Racer have, have, have said that they it's, it's, it's actually the film that they've had total creative freedom on <laughs> Right, okay you know, uh, and, and so you think well okay and that's what you made Yeah, yeah and so you've, clearly they made something they were exactly intending to make. Yeah, I which guess is either, which is either scary or they were taking the Mickey. Well, given their age, I'm guessing they they were again childhood fans of Speed Racer, which yeah, can definitely James, you can yeah. definitely colour your perception of you know what you want to make. Yeah. But again, I'll, um, yeah, you may you may not be fans of the Marvel universe. I'll give you a better racing film that came out this year. Um, Death Race remake was made in 2008. Oh, I've not well. seen that. Jason no. Statham. Um, yeah. <laughs> re remaking the um, who was it? It was the. Uh, Caradine, Keith Caradine, Death Racer. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But as a but surely that's but surely that's a very different film though. It is, but it is a I mean, but oh, it is a very different film. But it, I, I, the reason I, I it came to me when I realised it was the same year is, it was it's a racing film where the the stakes are very clearly set, the the antagonists are very clearly set, the the racing, you know everything everything about it you can identify with very quickly, and therefore the futuristic crazy races and the crashes and the and the explosions and the guns yeah. and everything you can get through because you know what's happening and what's dangerous and what's at stake and what's happening. And, you know, mm. you, I keep saying what's happening. I had no idea what was happening in Speed Racer other than bright colours were zipping across the screen and Speed yeah. was at the end doing okay. Yeah, um, I, I have to admit, I did, I did find the, the plot very hard to follow. Yeah. Um, so again, and actually, I'm, I'm going to throw in a third thing here when you talk about family appeal. This was only a couple of years after Cars came out. Um, okay. Again, and Cars, following all the, the same tropes, doing the same thing, but in terms of a, of a racing film, you could quite definitely know what was going on in cars. You knew who the antagonists were, what Lightning McQueen had to do to win the race, what yeah. was going through his head and his heart at the time. Yeah. So, yeah. it don't, not the speed race has to yeah. be any of these things, but it is a film about racing. You, it also has these other things, yes. but it's a film yeah. that hangs itself on racing. And I think it didn't get the bones right. It would be like if they got the kung fu wrong in the Matrix. If it looked naff, 
yeah. it, it didn't matter how good the rest of the stuff was. You think, well, these fight scenes are a bit rubbish. And I think maybe that's the problem is it may have had other themes and it may have been quite daring in how it threw itself forward. But if the heart of it isn't done very well, um, to the point where the Japanese animation is, you know, from the 60s, which has, has very simple pictures and repetitive loops, yeah. does get the racing part across better. It does, yeah. yeah that's a that's a fair point, actually. Yeah, there is that intensity in the racing in the Japanese anime, yeah. um, which, which I think works well and probably does work better in the when compared to a hundred and twenty million dollar. Um, and it was an expensive film, wasn't it? For, for, well, for, for predominantly CGI exactly. too. Oh yeah, at the time it was it was one of the most expensive films ever made, and I think it made. Uh, it, t- taking it at face value, it made $95 million at the box office, which isn't in- insignificant, yeah. but it, 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 it made a huge loss. It's not Iron Man money. <laughs> no, it's, it's not Iron Man money. No, it isn't Iron Man money. Um, um, but yeah. I was going to say, um, I, I will get, I'll give it this, though. For a film that looked as if it was predominantly shot against a green screen, it yeah. wasn't as stilted as other green screen films you can name. Yeah. For example, say the, the Star Wars prequels. But because they were they were constrained in the studio, there's very little movement in those films. They have to walk very slowly, and and I didn't feel that at all with with Speed Racer. When yeah. things happen, again, God, do they happen fast? Like there's a a scene where um in again in a flashback, a young Trixie turns up with a bomb. <laughs> it's, it's, yes. like, it's a it's a it's a parcel for for um, Pops Racer that also turns to be a bomb. And you have no idea why this is happening with this, other than the, the fact it, it um, highlights their life is in peril. But instantly, Rex Racer has kind of um, grabbed the bomb, snapped the broom in half, jammed it on the pedal of a kiddie cart, sent the kiddie cart down the road, the kiddie yeah. cart blows up, and then you're off to the next scene. But um, this is all in about a minute. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's, it, and that was it. They, they, <laughs> I don't think we work out who sent them the bomb or no. what happened ever again. Or, uh, But yeah, this, this, this thing happens a lot in this kind of film. <laughs> Yeah. So there's um the, the two kind of c- comparisons I wanted to make. You you've highlighted um was it Death Race? Death Race, I think. Yeah. Death Race, um, Cars, and what was the other one? Iron Man. Iron Man. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think tonally and the way that the film presents itself, it reminded me a lot of Scott Pilgrim versus the World. So I don't know if you've seen. I have seen. Yeah. I did so not I'm, enjoy. Yeah. Ah. Okay. So. <laughs> Yeah, so I quite like Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> um, but I, again, totally get why that is a divisive film. Yeah. Um, but, and for me, Scott Pilgrim versus the world, again, it's, it's the whole thing about um, formalism. Yeah. Because there's not there's there's a lot of plot going on in Scott Pilgrim versus the world, but none of it really matters yeah. over and above moving the film forward through editing and stage and set design. And one damn fight after another. Yeah, and this is one. This is one race after another. Yeah, you know. So that that it, it kind of it linked in with that. And the, the other thing I wanted to kind of highlight, it's in a different medium, and it's a totally different um, kind of process. But it just reminded me of the, the story of um, um, see, L.A. Confidential. Right. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying that this film has anything to do with L.A. Confidential, but the author of L.A. Confidential, the the novel, James yeah. Elroy, yeah. Um, it, uh, one of my favourite authors, um, one of my favourite novelists. Um, when I did he, enjoy any confidential, you're on safe ground there. Good, good, good. Uh, when he submitted the first draft of the novel *L.A. Confidential*, it ran to 1,600 pages, um, and he presented it to his editor. And his editor said, basically, this novel is unpublishable. What you need to do is reduce the book by half and get rid of at least two, probably three plot strands. 
in 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 the book yeah. for it to be anywhere near publishable. Okay. So what James what James Elroy did was basically, and this is this is total James Elroy. He said, you know what, screw that. <laughs> what he did actually was take out every unnecessary word in the book. Okay. And truncated the novel from 1,600 pages to about 500 pages. Oh, my God. And in that process, he created a new style of crime writing <laughs> called telegrammatic style, which is a very, very, very simple sentence structure, which, again, cuts out any or every unnecessary word. Wow. And so you get a very simplistic approach. So if you take an individual sentence... It's very simple and is meaningless. But when you build it up together, it's incredibly baroque okay. and it's very detailed and it's very it's very imaginative. And effectively, what he did was he didn't get rid of any plot strand. He kept it all in there. He just had his characters talk in very staccato style. Yeah. And that is effectively his his that's what he's known for now. And he writes all of his novels like that. And they're brilliant for it. Oh, nice. And for it's basically me, the reverse Ulysses. <laughs> It's the reverse Ulysses here. For me, Speed Racer is a little bit like that. They've, they, they've, what they've done is they've created a film where it's effectively like a ten-hour film. Yeah. And they've they've taken out all of the bits that make sense, <laughs> and left in all of the bits that just connect one thing to another thing. Yeah. And then presented that. Except it doesn't work in cinema. It might work in a in a book. Yeah. So L.A. Confidential, the film, in comparison to the book, drops about half of the plot. Yeah, it literally drops, and it focuses on one or two plot strands, and it has to. Otherwise, the film would be—it wouldn't be a film; it'd be a TV series. Yeah, and Speed Racer doesn't do that. It tries to cram it all in in this really baroque style that is, that in, you in, you end up getting lost. Whereas what James Elroy does is it's actually a fundamental style of writing. But you can do that in writing. You can't do that in cinema. I think that's the problem of Speed Race. It's trying to do something that just fundamentally doesn't work in a cinematic world. Yeah. I think that's an interesting point. And that's 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 probably close to what 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 how you can understand Speed Racer. Yeah. I, I, I do wonder, again, given my issues with, say, casting and this kind of stuff, if it had been a 10-hour film or you know TV series, would it have been any better? Um, because I think even if, no, if, no, if, no, yeah, no. if it had been put out to a conventional you know a conventional length or whatever, it yeah. was a long series, you'd still have issues of of tone and character. I think tone is an issue because on one hand you have not terrible violence, but there's gunplay and people having their fingers yeah. gnawed off and this kind of stuff by piranhas, yeah. um, which is at least, you know, James Bond level of, of violence. Yes, on the other yes, hand, yes. you are trying to appeal to the kiddie market, literally, yeah. you know, as old as you can get into the cinema, um, with 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 the with the, 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 the cheeky chappy and the, the bright colours. And that's again, you see if they don't do comedy it's films, odd, maybe it? maybe they don't do family films very well, because again that that is not something you know family film is not just an adult film that's simpler there is an act to it in itself yeah, yeah. um so maybe that's a, a problem too i think i think you're probably right um d despite that i still love the wachowski sisters um and I, st I would still i mean i don't know how many more blockbuster films they can make because literally i mean i wouldn't you know even even the the, the two matrix sequels were box office flops to a certain extent yeah yeah i mean they prop they made their money because they're matrix films but they weren't critical successes um v for vendetta i know they didn't direct it but they wrote it they were heavily involved in it that was a bit of a flop was it i thought uh, it was more successful it was well it was more successful but it still wasn't 
it wasn't a particularly successful film. It, it, it didn't make a lot of money. Yeah. Then you they probably Ra- recouped on the face masks. They probably, yeah, they probably did. <laughs> then you've got Speed Racer, you've got Cloud Atlas, and yeah. you've got Jupiter Ascending, which were all huge flops. Yeah. Huge flops. And, you know, of those three late era Wachowski sisters films, Cloud Atlas is the one that I'm sad about because yeah. it's brilliant. I mean, it's genuinely brilliant. Um, Speed Racer, I don't think is anywhere near as good as the defenders will give it credit for. Yeah. But I don't think it's as bad as the critics have suggested either. Yeah. Jupiter Ascending is a, certainly an acquired taste, but I went with the vibe of the film. Much in the same that I probably went with the vibe of Speed Racer more than you did. Yeah. But I can totally appreciate that. I was trying. I was trying very hard to get in to get into the groove of it, but uh, I wasn't quite finding the, the gear. At least it sounds like you dislike. It's not psycho horrors that you dislike. It's just the films that I choose. Yeah, I think we can agree on that. <laughs> we don't know if I dislike it. We've not come to our rating. You know, keep the audience well, in suspense. I will say back on your your point about again the fact they've gone from one flop to another. This is probably not a failing of the Wachowskis, as it is a failing of. Again, the, the modern Hollywood system, where because I'm betting the Matrix itself did not cost a lot of money to make. It no, cost a fair bit, right, you know. But to do yeah. that innovative camera stuff and the thing, that that must have been not cheap, but it was not huge. But yeah. they were instantly said, "You are going to make the next blockbuster, and we're going to give you 150 yeah. million so you can make 300." And that didn't work, so they did it again and again and again. And if you think about what, say, Spielberg was given with his his early films, he mm. was yeah he was doing. You know, reasonably modest films for a very mm-hmm. long time mm-hmm. um, before he could demand his, you know, um, carte blanche, and they were better for it because there were creativity there, there, isn't there? Yeah, there were no you, medium yeah. films anymore. The films are either very small and indie, or they're tent poles. And yeah, yeah. You don't, you, then it, it's really hush. I'm getting I'm seeing M Night Shyamalan has apparently veered into another flop um, to, to add to his his well, roster, yeah. but you know. He, he did make an interesting film to start with, and but it's just been because it was huge successful, has now yeah. had success demanded of him with the, with the budgets to match, and it's just a lot yeah. to put on a director when you all want to do is learn your craft. Well, that's true. I mean, yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that uh, you know I don't think the Wachowski sisters are blameless in this because they don't have to take a hundred million pounds. But you're right though. Um, it might be just that's what's available to them. I think it's. It, I think the the other thing that's hard is that it it might be relatively straightforward for them to take a hundred and twenty, hundred and fifty million dollar budget and make a film that already has a a market. Yeah. They don't seem to do that. So as much as I know that Speed Racer is a, a film that is, you know, it's based on a sixties anime. There can't have been much of a market for it in two thousand and eight America. No. Really. You know, Cloud Atlas, as much as it's a really, really well-known and successful book, it's not a commercial film at all. It's not it's not a it's not easy watch. It's, you know, it's I think it's over three hours long. <laughs> and yeah, it's over three hours long. And it's six different genres, six different strands all interweaving with each other. And don't get me wrong. Some of it's absolutely fantastic. Some of it's not quite so good. But as a whole, I, I, that artistic endeavor is fantastic. I just cannot imagine a studio green green lighting that thinking this is going to be a box office success. Same with Jupiter Ascending. They're not they're not films that have an already existing fan base. It's yeah. not like I mean, I'd quite like to see what the Wachowski sisters do with a superhero film. Yeah. Because to be honest, the world is different than it was in 1999 when you could probably make a film like The Matrix as you say on a reasonably modest budget. It probably wasn't cheap, it wasn't independent, but we're not talking we're not talking Avengers style. Yeah. Uh, 
budgets. You can't do that anymore. So you have to you have to cut your cloth accordingly. So make I don't know. Get involved in the DC world. Get involved in the Marvel world. See what you do with that. Do a Transformers film. I don't know because they've got they've got so much to offer creatively, but they they seem to put it into films that are totally on their own on their own kind of level and there's no compromise and as a result they flop because yeah. no one's interested in them i mean it's very hard to recapture lightning in a bottle i was seeing it's the anniversary of um willow the film that uh, george oh, lucas yeah. and yeah. who else was it john ron howard came up with but basically yeah. you could certainly tell from the way i mean i quite am fond of willow but maybe yeah, that'll be a feature but, but it's, it's certainly I'm what fond of willow because it's nostalgia right yeah and it, it certainly wasn't a successful film but you could see by the way they tried to set it up they're thinking this could take off and be the fantasy star wars and of course it wasn't um no. and, and if you know a few other attempts to do the same thing it's you know well Krull, but again, yeah, well, no, Krull was um, yeah, the, all the, the dark eighties fantasy. But I'm thinking that was a George Lucas specific yeah, one, was Willow. Yeah, so it was more a case of yeah. this guy has done something, created a universe on you know, off, off off the back of one successful film, yeah. and it's gone crazy. Could we do it again? And of course, it didn't happen. Well, and the other George Lucas example of that is Howard the Duck. Exactly, yeah. Um, Which, you know, given carte blanche to make whatever he wanted with whatever budget, <laughs> made one of the worst films ever made. Marvel Universe, by the way, so <laughs> you have more reason to hate really? it. Yeah, David the Duck is a Marvel Universe character. Well, that may be why I dislike it so much. <laughs> I was going to say, given carte blanche to do whatever he did, he made one of the worst films ever made. But enough about Star Wars. Wah, <laughs> <laughs> wah. Uh, um, I don't, don't, don't think that's the case. <laughs> Don't alienate our leadership, our, leadership, no, our readership, our listenership. <laughs> uh, so we we seem to have veered off course and have parked yes. in the pits now for for a fuel of uh, new tyres. Any any more thoughts on speedways before we go to our our, um, our rankings? I don't think I don't think there's a lot more to say about speed racer than we've already said. Really, yeah. I mean it 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 is it is artifice, isn't it? Yeah, I think. Well, we state that our claim, but we can come back to the reviews and, and say whether we would or would not recommend this. Yeah, OK. Fine. OK, join us um, if you're in any suspense at all as to what we think for our ratings and what will happen next month. There's a, there's a bit to keep Oh, yeah, now, there, now, you're, now you're hooked. Okay. <laughs> ah, dear listener, welcome back to the moment you've been waiting for. No, it isn't the end of the podcast. It is the moment at which we provide our scores. Obviously, to recap, out of five disembodied crombie heads, no half marks. So um, it is between one and five, can't have a zero. Hugh goes first because it's my choice of film. And Hugh insists that the film can't be rigged if the other person who didn't choose the film goes first for the end of year review of who has won Weekend at Crombies. Um, so, Hugh, Speed Racer, hmm, what do you think? Speed Racer, I'm, I'm pressing the accelerator and going straight into my score. <laughs> but before that... <laughs> <laughs> you put the brakes on. Put the brakes on. I did not enjoy Speed Racer. This may come as a surprise to anyone who's listened to the last 30 minutes. I, I felt that the freneticism that works from me personally in Baz Luhrmann did not work in Speed Racer. It was too much. It was like being bludgeoned with, with editing style and colour and 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 action. Um, I, the, the plot, as I say, I did the, the, what there was of it was too complicated with actually being interesting. The the tone was all over the place and sometimes would, again, come back to that poor kid, child actor and the monkey was just irritating. Other bits were just a bit meh. Um, so to, to, to be precise about it, that had some good actors in it. 
and I, I think some of them may be having sharp words with their agents following this. It also had some pretty poor actors in it that weren't, were given too great a prominence. However, having listened to, 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 to James's, James's views on it, and it has pushed me a little bit, it Ooh. did try and do something interesting. It didn't just do, for example, the Scooby-Doo remake, yeah. let's, let's turn it into thing. It's... You can't deny it's it's not something there that would be worth seeing. I personally wouldn't recommend it to someone if they wanted to just have an enjoyable evening's entertainment. But if you want to kind of expose yourself to something that you may really not like or you may find really interesting. Why would you do that? <laughs> well, no, if, if you may really not like it, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> but yeah. at least you, you've exposed yourself to it. It might yeah. be something you haven't seen before. You probably will not see this again. Um yeah. So I'm giving it two out of five. Two floating okay. crumpy heads out of five. I think it didn't work, but I think it's it deserves something for having attempted it. Okay, so I think I think that's very fair. I I feel like perhaps you were coming into the podcast with a one, and it 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 you think maybe that would be unfair. That's why we have these conversations. We uh, indeed, we, we, we 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 pour our gestalt minds into the pot <laughs> and allow the uh, our, our experience of the film to come back out again. Yeah. So you're I mean, not wrong. <laughs> and let me say, if if uh, Mrs Mrs Hugh was even less charitable than me. <laughs> well, again, it's nice to know that that Mrs Hugh won't watch the psychological horrors. But the films that I do choose that she will watch, she hates anyway. Yeah. So, you know, all good. At least she watches them. Indeed. Whereas Mrs. James can't be bothered. Did, um, uh, Mrs. Mrs. Hugh also listens to the podcast. Does Mrs. James? No. <laughs> <laughs> no she'd record the uh, the soundtrack. Indeed, yes. You yes. Know, she's we, on, we, she's we, on we, every we, single we've episode. We've never properly credited Mrs. James for no. that. And, and no. so we will continue not to. No, we won't. Um, so what did I think of it? So, uh, you know, okay... I have a bit of a soft spot for the Wachowski sisters. I mean, that's not rocket science, I guess, to a certain extent. They have made one of the greatest films of the 20th century um, in The Matrix. So I think that, you, you know, I, I'm willing to give I'm willing to give them a lot of leeway in that in that particular context. I think Speed Racer is nowhere near as good as some of the defenders of it would suggest that it is. I've seen some people suggest that Speed Racer is a is a forgotten classic, an underrated masterpiece. It isn't. It's a mess. Um, it's a mess filled with um, eye popping visuals that I can only imagine will become increasingly outdated as time goes by because it's exactly of its time using technology that, whilst is impressive for what it is, probably isn't going to stand the test of time in that particular context however equally it is nowhere near as bad as some of the critics slated it when it came out i'm not surprised it was a huge flop to be honest because i can't really see what connection it would have with an audience however i quite enjoyed it i found the narrative flow discombobulating but I found the verve and the pizzazz of the style of filmmaking a little bit exhilarating, dare I say. I view the film as a bit of an experiment, a massive, ex- massively expensive experiment that was inherently a waste of money. But I'm glad it exists and I'm glad that the Wachowski sisters are able to make films that really don't make any sense. <laughs> but that have total creative freedom involved in them. And 
I'm sure at one point they'll make another Matrix. They might just have to get through six or seven hundred million dollars of box office flop to get there. <laughs> and for that, I want them to keep making it. And for that, I'm going to give it three disembodied Crombie heads. Okay. So there we are. Five in total. Five in total. Mm. Yeah. Um, so some disembodied Crombie heads more grudgingly wrenched out of hands than others. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <sighs> So um, that that is that is Speed Racer. That is Volume Two Point Two, February Two Thousand and Nineteen's Weekend at Crombies. Now, drum roll! Indeed. Oh my God! OMG! <laughs> what is the two point three episode of Weekend at Crombies going to be? Hugh, what's the March edition? Right, Bring it the, on! The March edition. We're just supposed to give the name of the film and and let the microphone drop, but I'm going to give a few tasters on top. <laughs> For the first time, my pick is not going to be a film that I have seen before, and oh it's not God. going to be a film that I have an emotional connection to. So the gloves be are still off. My beating heart. <laughs> I can I can rate it without the rose tinted glasses of nostalgia. Um, wow! So... It could well, it might also mean that it, I like it. Yeah, there's <laughs> anything could happen. <laughs> and with that, um, I'm just going to drop it now. The film we'll be watching in March for Weekend at Crombies is Newsies. Why? I've never heard of this film <laughs> in my entire life. Newsies. Newsies. Newsies I'm, is. You know what? I'm handing in my resignation. <laughs> <laughs> You've made this up. Have you never heard of Newsies? Newsies, as in the news. As in news, I yes, Newsies. <laughs> a nineteen ninety two American musical comedy drama starring oh, no. a young Christian Bale. <laughs> so by Walt I know, Disney. I know that we I know Newsies. that we aren't going I know that we're not going to have anything to do with the film until March. Indeed. However, I would just like to read out the first sentence that describes newsies on um IMDB. A week in the life of the exploited Charles newspaper sellers in turn of the century New York. That sounds like shite. (laughs) (laughs) But it's a musical, James, and I know how much you like musicals because you made me watch three of them last year. Did I? Three? Two? There was was the Phantom of the Paradise. Paradise, you know, the one-starred Phantom of the Paradise. There was also the Dancer in the Dark. Yeah. Um, that was so bad I'm counting it twice so there we go One, two, okay, three. So, <laughs> both sc- scored one star and me being a fan of musicals <laughs> want to watch one musical that isn't Phantom of the Paradise or Dancer in the Dark yeah fair enough well the third musical of our um, tenure so. first, our, first, first, well, our yeah. first Disney film too Newsies oh, is it a Disney film it's a Disney oh, anyway, film we get, Disney we get into March we get into we? March yeah. Let, let's, let's leave the Ides of March and uh, and I can't wait to see it even though I may not like it because I don't know it. It might be awful. I might have forced you James know. to watch a Dance from the Dusk-esque yeah. film. I will I will enter into Newsies. <laughs> I think of with the, Well, that sounded really weird. I will watch Newsies with a, um, a, a blank expression. No, with, <laughs> with, a, with objectivity. Uh, with the objectivity that I bring to any film that I've not seen. Very good. That's much. And I think then that wraps us up. It does. So yes. uh, we can put on the brakes, unbuckle the seatbelt, switch off the sat nav, <laughs> recline, and. Just go into a darkened room. <laughs> <laughs> I will merely end by wishing all of you a very good weekend at Crombies. Good evening, all.
checkered path or flag I'll start again <laughs> <laughs> I don't know <laughs> oh. okay um, 